On Fairway Roland, Joe House and Nathan Hubbard are joined by a rotating cast of Ringer and Golf World personalities to break down the latest in golf headlines and news. They also delve into the world of golf gambling. Check out Fairway Roland on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined today by Benjamin Zolak. Benjamin, what's going on? Nothing really, man. Thanks for having me back. I wasn't sure if I'd make it back after round one. Glad that I'm here. Well, we tried to find somebody else, but, yep. you know. Unfortunate. Av- availability is the best ability. Um, Nora Princiati also joining us. A little under the weather. Uh, cannot keep up on this two-wedding pace here. Yeah, it really, really uh, did a number on me. I thought... I really did think I was going to have to roll in here and say, guys, my apologies if my voice is a little scratchy this episode. I'm going to hang in there. It's going to be fine. I had too much fun at a wedding this weekend, and I sang Mm -hmm. too many songs, and I wooed at too many speeches and events. You didn't know how to pace yourself. Now I think I just have your run-of-the-mill sore throat. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, Benjamin Solak's fire alarm just went off. Is that because of the takes? (laughs) Uh, Did they see your 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 Google Doc open? Preemptive the takes podcast are too takes hot. Would be something else if the the fire alarm could predict it. No, we have no idea what happened. Um, but I just I thought it's funny. I told my wife Meredith I was like, all right, I got my new podcast equipment. I don't know how sensitive it is. My second time they're gonna fail show. Just keep the dog quiet. It's gonna be great. And we we're like three seconds from starting, and my fire alarm goes off. And so I walk out of my office, and she's just outside throwing stuff at it, ripping the battery pack off, doing everything she can to kill it as quickly as possible. That's, that's delightful. Yep. That's how it goes. She Just uh, pelting the fire alarm. Yeah, absolutely. Which um, we've set that fire alarm off so many times and absolutely nothing of consequence has ever happened. Nobody's ever come and asked us what's going on. It's just <laughs> fire alarm. Let's everybody know to stay inside and do nothing. Sounds like Callum Zoo's running a tight ship. might be a sham. Is that true? No, that's probably something that could be like mildly legally actionable for me to say on a podcast. Yeah. But it just seems like usually when they go off, it's not a big deal. I remember in grade school when they were like, don't pull the fire alarm. And then they were like, if you yeah. do, it's going to let you like it's going to like squirt ink on your hands. So we know you're the one who did it. I was like, ah, it makes you want to do it more. Really see if that's true. That feels like a lie. Which AFC playoff team had the alarm pulled in their Foxborough area hotel the night before a playoff game? Might have been the Texans a few years back. It was, I believe so. Yeah, I remember that. I know what that hotel is, and it, the fire alarm has gone off for me as well. I don't think this is a, a Patriots conspiracy. No, they arrested a guy. It was like a guy named Sully. He did it on purpose. <laughs> well, I mean, 
That's that's why it's was it was it a Patriots? It's not really a conspiracy. Was it, it was a just Patriots? A crime. It, was, it was Steelers Patriots, which it was Steelers I feel Patriots. Like Steelers Ste- Patriots. Yep. Yeah, I feel Thank like you, Steelers ben. is a little bit more excusable. If you felt like you needed a competitive advantage over the Texans, man, like was the guy actually named Sully? I, or was uh, that maybe maybe not? It was was that in just the an Sully family to, to a characteristic of? I have no Sully on my Boston names. So Laura just telling us lies to open the podcast. I'm going with Sully. I was not invited back to a private school in Orlando um, in large part because I was falsely accused of, of pulling a fire alarm. <laughs> falsely. Falsely. It was 100% false. That's not my style. That is not my style. Well, I love that she's not invited style? back. Just, you know, uh, more bits, to not pull I would fire say. Alarms. <laughs> more bits, not, not fire alarms. All right, I'm in Wentzville, Missouri, a city I've never been in. It's like 50 miles west of St. Louis. It's a new thing. Uh, we're going to do two things today. We're going to react to the news and we're also going to go through the best rosters in the NFL. We have some subcategories. Really, really cool discussion coming up. But we'll start with Josh Allen and his extension. $258 million, six-year deal, $150 million guaranteed, biggest guarantee in history. Ben Solak, when you first heard about it, you thought what? I understand why uh, they did it and they got it done now. I think that that's always the best move. I remember when the Eagles got the Wentz deal done before Goff and before Dak. It was like, us oh, is a good decision. And then obviously, you know, that... um that contract didn't hold up, nor did really the golf contract hold up. And then Prescott's situation was prolonged. Nor, just... nor, nor did either of those players. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Not, it's not the buddy, buddy. It's not the contract that didn't hold up. <laughs> right. The, uh, the, the wisdom of those decisions will put it, uh, right. getting the contracts done early, not necessarily solving the problem. It, it is interesting. It's a little bit of a, a paradox because he's right. He's making more guaranteed money within the first, what, like four or five years of the deal, uh, than Mahomes is right. And, if you told me before, you know, after Mahomes signed his deal, all right, like who should be the first guy to break this? I'd be like, nobody, yeah. absolutely nobody. You shouldn't give anybody more guaranteed money than Mahomes got. But then if you told me one guy had to get it, it's it's probably Allen because he's the only dude who has a chance mm. of, of, of getting to that level that Mahomes is at. I don't think he will, mm. but he's, he's the only guy. So I, I understand why they did it. Uh, I, I always feel there's a little bit of danger when a GM makes a pick like the Allen pick or makes a move that's that's viewed as risky and then it pans out and then he kind of pats himself on the back with the contract like, oh, Allen's so good. Look at this deal. And it's like, I'm not sure if giving him that much money to contend with with the Mahomes contract on Allen's timeline was necessary. So as always, extend your good quarterbacks. Um, but it was one year and it is Mahomes money. And that is that's a little bit too much. That's a little too rich for my blood. It is a little bit misleading, the guarantees, just because Mahomes has those rolling guarantees that don't technically like sealed with a kiss guarantee it, but all but do that in a way where he should probably get more effectively guaranteed than Josh does with this deal. But the interesting thing to me is that, okay, so it's six years and some of those deals that you just mentioned, Goff, Wentz, and then Dak Prescott. Those were four-year deals, which is interesting because you would think that most agents would look at that and say, okay, four years is a great thing to use as precedent to negotiate off of because then you get another bite at the apple. Like, I think that Dak Prescott, when it's all said and done, will probably make more money than Patrick Mahomes. I think when you're talking about these kinds of sums of money, at a certain point, everybody's fine. And if Patrick Mahomes would rather be locked up for 10 years and have that kind of certainty, great. It's a great deal. But the shorter term, I think there has been typically a little bit of a changing of of mindset where 
the shorter deals are viewed as an opportunity to get another bite and ultimately make more in the long run. Mm -hmm. Six years, obviously it's not 10, but it's pretty long, which you can see it both ways, right? They are basing this off of one year of high-level performance from Josh Allen, so there's risk in that. That said, if Allen does not seriously, seriously regress, which I do not believe he will, this is going to be one of those contracts that in a few years looks like a bargain, even though it has the sticker shock and is kind of in the Mahomes territory to begin with. And in those few years when it already sort of looks like a bargain, it's going to have a few years left, which is the differentiator between, I mean, look, with Goff and Wentz, they were thrilled those deals weren't longer than four years. The teams were by the end of them. But what I find even more interesting than the, the dollar figure is the term length of it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's where you see a little bit more differentiation between how teams view these players. It's funny, you mentioned the the bargain part of it. So three years ago, sitting in Atlanta, and I was talking to Thomas Dimitrov, and we were talking about the Matt Ryan contract that had just been struck, and he had just become the first quarterback to get 30 in a season in the average deal. And I had said... Hey, you know, uh, this this might end up looking a bargain uh, two years from now. And he said, how long? And he was joking because it wasn't going to be two years. It was almost immediately. And now $30 million, which is Matt Ryan's number, is 10th in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill is at 29.5. Garoppolo is at 27.5. Stafford's at 27, whatever. But Cousins is above that. Wentz is above that. Goff is above that. Deshaun Watson is above that. Dak, now Josh Allen, now Mahomes. And this is the cost of doing business with any with any reasonably good quarterback, we're going to see that with Baker here. We're definitely going to see that with Lamar. Um, it puts more pressure on, on Brandon Bean. And, you know, he has built a really good roster. We're about to get to that in a second. But I talked to him about this last week, and he said that they started planning for this extension at the end of 2018 when they took $60 million in dead cap money that year. They're, they're paying all Marcel Darius and all these people not to pay, play for them. Mm-hmm. And they knew, okay, we're going to start building. We're going to have mid-level veterans. We're going to build the line. We're going to keep them upright. Next year, we're going to get them some some weapons. Stephon Diggs level elite weapons. And then they're going to start building for the extension. And I think that as the cap rises, there are going to be some insane numbers. And every contract is going to be tradable in the event of a disaster. I'm talking about for any of these quarterbacks. I mean, it, 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 was, it, it was pricey to get out of the golf deal, but they got out of it. The Wentz deal had barely kicked in. Um, and it mostly hadn't kicked in. They got out of it. So with the cap, with the fact that people just have desperation for quarterback, uh, I'm starting to wonder if there's any such thing as an awful quarterback contract um, when it comes to elite quarterbacks. Maybe right. I'm crazy. Yeah, I think for me, it's that that sensation of, you know, it is this six-year deal, right? It's this extended deal, right? Like for uh, SpotRack has the earliest out after five years, after 2025, right? Like that longer time frame implies a level of security and the consistency of Josh Allen's play that is difficult for me to get my head around, especially because we make that point, which is, you know, at getting this done now means it'll look like a bargain later. And that's been the case of of pretty much every major quarterback extension, especially when you're the first from a class. And like we said that about Wentz. And then like two years later, it's we got to get out of this deal. Right. And that's the thing is like because of Allen's in my like for me, my perceived volatility of Allen, I wouldn't have expected such a long runway, such such assurances over such a time frame, because to me, he's he's not I'm not that confident that this stays that steady for that long. 
That is kind of a Brandon Bean calling card, though, because look, when you're predicting the future, nobody's ever working with perfect information. But when they did Deion Dawkins, they beat out Ronnie Stanley and Garrett Bowles. So they did that deal before the market resets with other players at the position. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Tredavious White, Mm -hmm. vis-a-vis Marlon Humphrey and and Jalen Ramsey. They have a habit there and a philosophy there that, you know what? Yeah, you got to take, they're not leaps of faith. They're informed decisions. But you have to accept the uncertainty because wholesale doing these things on the early side ends up better for the team in the long run. With the comfort level that teams have taking on dead cap money, the Eagles are paying $33.8 million in dead cap money for Wentz. Um, The Rams have basically made built a franchise around being totally fine taking on dead money. Um, I just think that (laughs) that NFL teams are comfortable with that. That's what what I mean when I say there's no such thing as an awful, disastrous contract because teams will just take the hit the Eagles were we're not going to win anything anyway this right. year. Um, so I, I don't think, listen, the Wentz contract as a decision was bad, but it, it didn't ruin the Eagles franchise. Right. And that's the thing is, right. If Allen ends up dropping right back down to 2018 levels, which like Nora said, right. probably not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Bills are screwed either way. Doesn't matter if you're out right. $40 million or not. Still, you know, you're still at the same spot, which is that we don't have the quarterback that we thought we did. And now we have to reassess that. So yeah, it's, um, it's a big, healthy deal. But listen, I mean, like, if Allen's going to be successful, it's going to be in Buffalo with the with the uh, the circumstances that are there around him, and then with the belief, right, with the momentum that they have, which you know to what degree momentum is real, but they've got momentum there, right? They feel like they got it right, and so I'm, I'm not surprised they wanted to make that big of a commitment. My my only thought on this, and this is the last thing I'll say before we get to the other contract, but I, I just the rules have changed, and they have changed over the last decade about just how we view elite franchise quarterbacks, and the teams that have tried to outsmart themselves or outsmart the market have lost. Um, that means the Dallas Cowboys, that means the, the football team with Kirk Cousins, even though obviously that's, that's a different situation. Um, both of those teams were saying, Hey, we're actually smarter than the market. And I think with quarter, I just think this is, this is it. This is the cost doing business very much like, like real estate. Uh, Darius Leonard, five years, $99 million, nor would you think? Well, so I think we're also going to talk about Fred Warner and the thing that I think is interesting when you talk about where the market is for linebackers is that what we're seeing is that's a really tough position to play right now, right? Like all of these smart offensive coordinators, offensive minded head coaches, they stay up until three o'clock in the morning every night, Mm -hmm. kind of thinking about how to screw with linebackers a lot, right? Like those are the guys that often you hear about, okay, this is a play design. We're trying Mm -hmm. to create a mismatch. We're trying to get somebody who's a little bit flat footed in coverage to screw up. What do those two guys have in common? They can both hold their own in, in coverage. So I think like the linebacker position is is fascinating to me right now. And especially with the sort of anyone in the group of sort of more hybrid safety, like that type of player, I think is is facing some interesting conundrums in where the game has gone. And I mean look, for better or for worse, I think what we're seeing in, in these deals is at least some degree of belief that these players can really hold up in the coverage game. And I think that's been then proven on the field. So it, it makes sense to me whether or not that continues, I think is going to be a factor in how we view these deals long term. But I think what I see in in both of those moves is just kind of a differentiating at that position based on 
how good of a coverage player someone is. Ben Solak, Leonard and Warner. Yeah, I uh, I watched a lot of Darius Leonard today because I wanted to think about and, and maybe write about how that coverage responsibility affects how much linebackers are getting paid and going to get paid because we have Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith in the same class mm-hmm. who are potentially after the fifth year options getting big yep. deals. Devin White yep. and Devin Bush from 2019. We've got some big linebackers coming up. And I Leonard gets away with it in coverage. Leonard Leonard does his job. Leonard's got his goods and his bads, right? That that uh Matt Everflew's Tampa two cover two defense wants Darius Leonard to play eight yards off, to deal with stuff in front of him, to go let completions happen, rally up and tackle. Does his job well. He has some issues with routes behind him, whatever. Fred Warner's a god, man. Like Fred Warner just <laughs> it is uh, the 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 ask in the defense from San Francisco on Fred Warner is so much bigger in coverage than the ask from the Indianapolis defense on Darius Leonard, which doesn't mean Leonard doesn't have those skills. There's times where he's, he's that pole runner in Tampa too, and he's carrying a tight end 30 yards down the field and it looks awesome. But Fred Warner is just like, he's covering Marquise Brown. Like he's covering golden Tate. Mm-hmm. Like it's just disgusting. The stuff that they ask him to do. And, and it's so much to that defense's benefit because especially with not the best corner situation over the last couple of years, they're able to to play that that match quarters and have those safeties help over number two, help over number one, help those corners because Fred Warner could just take tight ends out of the equation. And, and if the the innermost slot, the number three, that's Fred Warner's responsibility, he could take that guy too, which is mm-hmm. absurd. Uh, and so Warner is, to me, the best linebacker in the league. He's the best coverage backer yep. in the league by a mile. Uh, him and Bobby Wagner, it's the whole conversation. Uh, and what he offers to uh, that defense in terms of helping – make numbers better elsewhere uh that warrants that 19 million dollars per year whereas darius leonard it's just he's good at what he does it's just i'm not sure what he does is that valuable and and leonard and warner are the first two linebacker contracts to be worth at least 10 percent in terms of apy of the current year's cap since 2002 with ray lewis it's been 20 years since we saw a single linebacker be worth this much of the cap and so we're we're this market's kind of exploding a little bit and i think with guys like warner it's warranted with guys like leonard you get it once we start getting to like the devin white conversation it's going to become really interesting because if you're paying that guy that much money it's going to cause you problems in past defense i will and say the guarantees the AP- on warner are higher than with leonard i think it's it's 40 million guaranteed for warner and mm-hmm. low 30s for leonard so there there is a distinction there in while the the total number on Leonard is higher, I think that's a little bit misleading, but um, and probably reflective of everything that you just said, Ben. Um, Kevin, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say the the APY and and the the cap percentage is a little bit strange this year, just because the cap's about to explode, mm-hmm. explode. And so for this year, you kind of have to throw that out a little bit because it'll be 200 pretty soon. It's you know one it was 182. Uh, now it's gonna be 200 pretty soon, and then. I mean, good Lord, some of the numbers they have in 2024, 2025 are just ridiculous. And so uh, the league still doesn't know that. I mean, that, that was the thing Brandon Bean, actually, and I talked about this last week, is he said, basically said, we still don't know the numbers and we're just guessing and we're, we're just kind of flying blind a little bit. And then they're keeping in close contact with the league office, but nobody knows. And so that, to me, would scare me a little bit. But but the Bills obviously understand that and I, this is... They understand what happens when you have have an elite quarterback, um, and and sort of how that's perceived. Anyway, um, I think these these deals are both fine. I agree with you, Ben. The, the Fred Warner thing. I mean, it, this is the wholesale change that everybody saw coming. If you talk to defensive coordinators around the league four or five, six years ago, 
they said that this this was going to be it. It was just going to be athletic, fast linebackers who could who could play the lateral game, um, who could adjust. And that that that's what all what it was in college. That's all it was in college. College and high school started developing these guys. The NFL was happy to have them, and and, and this will be a league eventually of players uh, where everyone is trying to have a Fred Warner, basically. Um, and I think that's that's the the athleticism at that position just exploded. Uh, Xavier Howard is not demanding a trade anymore. They came to an agreement. Nor Princiati, this is good. Yeah, it's it's rather impressive given the amount of time he had left on his his deal. He I just think got it just, money. Goes, he just kept complaining until he got money. I mean, it's kind of what happened, right? Don't knock and, it until you try it. Uh, to which we all aspire. Fifteen year old yeah. Ben is not, amazed. Knock it until you try it is what I'll say about that particular gambit. And look, I think. Uh, so he can make up to 16, a little more than 16 million in 2021. I'm sure the Dolphins are are pleased to not be doing, they would much rather do some sort of, you know, bigger, more longer term restructure, monster deal, whatever in line with health and market value, which is apparently what they told him that they would do next February or March, which mm-hmm. from the team perspective, either He's not coming off this monster year where he had 10 interceptions and 10 pass breakups, or they have more evidence that he's that top, top, top corner and and totally worth it. So I'm sure that's much more approachable from their perspective as opposed to doing that right now. But it's just interesting that I think all of his leverage came from how essential his position is in that defense. Mm-hmm. because. If not from there, where else did it come from? Because he had years left on the deal. And, you know, as 10-year-old Ben would be so impressed by, yeah. all the guy did was just complain. Didn't work when and I wanted to make an allowance, but it worked for Xavier Howard, man. We just shaved five years off of the age at which Ben was excited about, <laughs> about I don't think money. I had an allowance when I was 10. Maybe. I would not have been responsible with that money. That's for sure. Were Were you like a top shutdown man-to-man corner? Because that also feels yeah, like yeah, a, I didn't, a big I didn't piece of this. Okay, yeah, that's what I season. thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just booming. wanted to make sure. This yeah. is booming. Uh, ben, big question, but what does Xavier Howard allow the Dolphins to do on that defense? Uh, just play man everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, when the that, the thing is like, I, I don't know. It's a nebulous idea, but like players are better at like knowing how the league works a little bit you know what i mean like with with increased like you have these like like you know these tight end summits and the offensive line summits and you just have like a lot more visibility on social like xavier howard knows not only that he's a good corner but that he's better than like a lot of other guys on other teams because he's watched their film and he's seen what they've gotten paid and then also he knows well, that the or Dolphins, also on his team yeah, what, he kind of you know, dunked on Byron, the Byron Jones. Jones yeah. thing cannot be right. overstated. I, I wasn't gonna straight flame Byron Jones, but also yeah, like Byron Jones gets a big, big extension, and then Xavier Howard produces like crazy. Now, you know, I'm sure Byron would tell Xavier, "Hey, like maybe you got ten picks because they were throwing the ball to you because they weren't throwing the ball over to me." But that's that's part of why like the Dolphins want to build this really good coverage unit, right? And Xavier mm-hmm. Howard knows this and knows that he's integral to it. The the the. Dolphins defense is predicated on the idea of being able to play man coverage on the back end. No matter how they line up or who they line up with, we have the bodies to do it. If Xavier Howard says, I'm not doing this anymore, not only do you now have worse cover guys, you have to change how your defense is going to work structurally, right? He's that integral. Mm-hmm. He's a cornerstone in that way. Uh, and so they want to play man on the back end. So that way they can get funky with numbers in the box. That's how Brian Flores does it. That's how uh, 
uh, Belichick did it in New England where Flores mm-hmm. came from. And so Howard is a cornerstone to that team. And I do think that it is appropriate that he got that money. It is interesting, though, like his contract is, is still get outable in 2022. Mm-hmm. It's a little more dead money than you'd like to swallow. It's nine point five million on, on a 14.4 million cap hit. So it's like about 60, 65 percent, which it, it's more than you usually see. But like if he doesn't play well or, if, you know, the relationship turns toxic again, this didn't increase the length of the commitment. It just put kind of more money in his pocket right away, which is what he wanted. Which, and I understand that because I, I think, Nora, you know this as well as anybody having been on a beat, especially the Patriots, the smartest teams are well aware of the contract dynamics in locker rooms. And the amount of stories I've heard where one guy to position gets more than another and there's an absolute freak out in the locker room, uh, are, are, it happens. It happens a lot. It happens a lot more than, than sort of on the record r- reporting happens. And so if you've got Xavier Howard, and he's sitting there. And he's unhappy with his contract. He was signed uh, as you know six-year deal, so signed through 2024. Even though, as Benjamin said, there's 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 outs. There are. I I think it's worth the money to just make him happy and not have four years of him try, trying to undermine the franchise. And not that he would do that. I'm just saying it's okay to just 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 restructure, give him put a little cash in his pocket, and and let's move on. He's he's the best player on the team. And that's, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I think they are too, obviously. Uh, all right. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get to rosters? Any fire alarms? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I feel like there were no real hot takes in the contract discussions. going to maybe be hot takes in the roster discussions. So we'll check in then. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. We're doing three categories here. We're doing top five rosters. Easy. Then we're doing uh, most improved, least improved. And then the potential, the potential bucket, which really could go sort of off the rails there. Arjuna was like, what if, what if people, he was like, what if people say like, the chiefs or something. And I'm like, well, then we, we will shame them, Arjuna. Um, so let's just do the rosters real quick. Uh, let's go through five through one. Nor Princiati, number five. All right. So my number five roster, uh, I'm very glad to be doing this this week as opposed to a couple weeks ago because it is the Green Bay Packers. Mm. And obviously, this is a conversation that starts with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know mm. if you've heard. But... When you look top to bottom at Green Bay, I think what what is kind of emphasized to me is that the high-end talent on this roster is focused on the passing game on both sides of the ball. So that's Devontae Adams on offense, but then Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos, those are super high-end secondary players. There's not a thing that I think will come up in some of these conversations is, okay, how do you value high-end talent versus depth? There's some yeah, drop off. We're gonna get to that. Here, when you go from at cornerback 
the number one Alexander to Kevin King, although I think he got a little bit too bad of a rap from the playoffs. Poor Kevin King. It's just, I just feel bad for the guy. I want to give him a hug. I really, it's kind of inevitable to bring it up because it's sort of a defining feature in, in where you might poke holes on this roster or why it's not higher up in the top five. But I just want to give him a hug and I don't want to be mean. Mm. Um, they drafted Eric Stokes, but obviously that's a tough transition and might not happen immediately. Another thing to watch, I think, is replacing Corey Lindsley with Josh Myers at center. Yep. Because Aaron Rodgers is not the type of quarterback. Like, for instance, I think Justin Herbert is really going to benefit from that swap because he's young and because a smart experienced center can do a lot for quarterback. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need that from the mental perspective, but still that's an important position on the offensive line. I think as we get smarter about football, it's, it's been more and more clear um, that having a good center is, is a big deal. So we'll see, you know, how it all can come Mm -hmm. together. But I just think that when you start with a great quarterback and then really high end talent working in the passing game on both sides of the ball, that's a pretty fast way to have a great roster. They also have Jenkins um, for 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 depth as well um, on the offensive line. So Ben, Packers top five. Yeah, I do have the Packers in the top five. I have the Packers at two. I don't know if that's wow. that's too high. Okay, um, all right. So 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 I take it you're weighing quarterback way heavier than Nora. No. Whoa. Okay. Roster is just awesome. Uh, okay. Now the yeah. So two players who to me are critical that I want to throw on the pile of good Packers players. Number one is Darnell Savage. Uh, I agree with Nora. That secondary is built really well. Uh, I love Adrian Amos. Love Jair Alexander. Darnell Savage is stinking yep. good. Uh, extremely physical safety. He's able to play. He's got a nickel body type, slot corner body type, able to play man cover, short zone, deep zone, all the good stuff. But then that guy's supposed to be bad in run defense, and Savage is, is a shot out of a cannon. I mean, he, he arrives with bad intentions, and he's a good quality technique tackler as well. Uh, and so he gives you everything that you want in that, weak side linebacker body which is usually like 230 and can't cover in this case savage can so he's extremely important to being able to play in the nickel they're able to play with three safeties uh so him and then Rashawn gary another player from that uh from a couple years i think he was the 2019 Mm -hmm. class yeah the Mm bosa class uh gary's gotten step by step better over the last couple of years and 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 that pick was criticized it definitely should have been brian burns but Gary is taking the path that people expected coming out of Michigan, a little bit of an underdeveloped athlete who is a very nice third rusher for them and allows them to get funky on third down with NASCAR packages. You get the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary on the field. That's a lot of power and a lot of speed all at the same time. The linebacker room is abysmal. Shout out Mike Patton. But everything else to me uh, has depth. There's star talent pretty much everywhere. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, the depth of that backfield can't be understated. Uh, you've, I've got concerns with Josh Myers, and I've got concerns with linebacker. Uh, besides that, to me, this is absolutely the star talent and then the depth on the roster. Simply delightful. Uh, Kenny Clark, we didn't, like, Kenny Clark's a Kenny good Clark. stud nose tackle. Like, you just like kind of forget to mention him as the sixth most important player. It's, it's a very, very good roster. I like Green Bay a lot. I have no quarterback waiting at all. Something okay. I think is is going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know your guys' lists, but one thing that really stood out to me as I made mine that I think speaks to just sort of the state of the league, I have a feeling we're going to cite weaknesses at linebacker and in the running game on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. a yep. decent amount in this conversation. I know I will on my list. Obviously, we're not talking about weaknesses so much because we're talking about the best teams in football, but that was something that was really interesting to me was that not necessarily across the board, but for a lot of the teams that I put here, 
those were kind of the places where it was like, okay, something's got to give. This is not where we have our highest end talent. Right. It's not where we spent our money in free agency or starter picks in the draft. Right. Yeah. So I have the Packers at three. Um, and part of it was the high level talent that we, that we just talked about with. And also I just feel like Aaron Rodgers. I, I did quarterback weight in that regard. And I feel yeah. like they have a handful of players who are among the best, of their positions, obviously, uh, whether that's Bacciari, Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers, uh, they all have the case to be number one. In fact, uh, and if we're doing a, a different episode, I might rank those players, but th- that they are, they do have the case. Uh, Kenny Clark is obviously up there. Uh, J- Jair Alexander is obviously up there. Uh, obviously, uh, Randall Cobb is still elite. Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't want him back. That was a joke, by the way. Pause for applause. Um, so no, uh, the the Randall Cobb thing uh, is. You want to try it again, but, Kevin? Maybe the smoke no, alarm. No, I will don't. Go off. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm gonna let it ride because the Randall Cobb thing is the cost of having Aaron Rodgers back, and that's worth it. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you guys a question. If Aaron Rodgers had asked for all of those guys to come back. Would it have been worth it? Like all the guys he mentioned, like Clay Matthews coming back, that whole crew. Would he, if he if he had to get like five of his buddies back on the team, <laughs> would it have been worth it for the Packers? Yes, and it would have been delightful content for us. I would have enjoyed yeah. it tremendously if we just had to watch Marquez Valdez Scantling behind Jay Kumbro and drills. Like, yeah. what is this? They could have played the Cardinals, and it could have been like a, a 2014 All Stars game. It'd been great. It'd have been great. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm with you, Ben. I like this team a lot. Uh, there's a reason they've made two straight Final Fours, and we'll probably do so again because I picked them to make the uh, Super Bowl this year. Uh, all right, number five, Ben. All right, this is where I have the Buffalo Bills, which I wanted in my heart to have Buffalo higher, but the problem is they're just good everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and there's still obviously a star talent on this team. Love Tredavious White. Think that Tredavious White is, is, is underappreciated. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds as well. I think that Tremaine is, is a stud young player. And then obviously Stephon Diggs at wide receiver. But when you look along like their offensive line, right, and you have guys like John Feliciano and Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams, they're all good. And and the best part about that offensive line, as people would bring up, right, in, in preparation for the 2020 season, was the continuity. It's that they're all back and they're all together. And, mm-hmm. and Cody Ford's going to play a guard and like, oh, what a luxury. And they have depth. And it is true. They just don't have, I think, like, a stud along the offensive line. On the defensive line, we brought in Mario Addison. He's with Jerry Jerry Hughes, and we drafted Carlos Bash, and we drafted Gregory Rousseau. AJ Epinesa last year in the second round. Cool. We have depth. We have, like, the same body types. You can play our big end roles. But there's no stud, right? And so for as much as I think that, like, Micah Hoyd and Jordan Poyer are a delightful safety duo and really help, you know, a, a defense that requires a lot of cerebral work, a lot of pre-snap recognition, those guys are so, so, so important. They don't hold a candle to, like, Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew or Adrian mm-hmm. Amos and Darnell Savage because they don't have, in my opinion, the start ability that those other guys do. And so for a very, very, very good, deep roster, but just one that perhaps doesn't have the star punch, Buffalo comes in at five for me. Yeah, and, and part of that, I would say, is by design. I also have Buffalo number five, uh, solid everywhere and a team that can mm-hmm. legitimately win the Super Bowl, but they don't have that high-end talent, like we were saying, where they have a bunch of guys who could be in the mix for the best of their positions. Um, they do a quarterback, and obviously Stephon Diggs is unbelievable. And and I think that because of the team building philosophy they have, where they went out and they got solid guys like Mitch Morris, like John Feliciano, um, that is that's a part of that is, is by design. They they solve their problems with those mid level guys. Uh, Ed Oliver has not met expectations. Um, I, I think that there are guys who I thought had a chance to be elite that just weren't. 
and instead you're left with a really good team that can win the Super Bowl, and I'm okay with that. Nora, the Bills? So I have them at four, and mm. look, there's not... We're talking about razor-thin differences here. I, I'm mostly in agreement with this. I just think that that wide receiver group in particular is that's the proverbial basketball team, right? It's a real mm-hmm. complimentary set. And I think if you take the bill's own philosophy that was used to, you know, do this big deal with Josh Allen, that he's going to at least approximate his performance from last year going forward. That's mm-hmm. just a, that, that's a, that's a underratedly just strong across the board group for me. And I think when you look at the bills roster, even when you go to the defense, it's the same type of thing where, look, we've talked about it before. A lot of times defense is a weak link thing and you can certainly cite, okay, the linebackers here are not necessarily as good as, as deeper in the secondary, but overall they're pretty solid. And at a certain point, I think if they keep investing resources in the pass rush, they're going to get a little bit more because I think last year there were big questions about, okay, beyond Jerry Hughes, who's doing this? And at least they're trying, I think Mm -hmm. is my feeling about that. And when there's solidness, solidity, I don't know what word I'm going for. When you're on that solid playing field at pretty much every other position across the board, there's a little bit more room to make up for that. So I, I think the Bills get a little bit of a uh, just a stability bump, but yes. I could have gone either way with them in Green Bay here. But I, I think ultimately it's just a really, really, really steady, solid roster. This should, should come as no surprise to anybody. But if you're on the top five rosters, you can win the Super Bowl. So it's it's a kind of it's a lot mm-hmm. of small little differences here. Um, and so don't don't get mad if you're on this top five list. You're doing pretty well. Uh, number four, Ben. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, which, mm. yeah, I don't know if they're fringe or whatever, but I, I look at the Ra- the Ravens and there's there's probably one too many players here who I have a particular affinity for that makes it definitely like a little bit of a biased uh, ranking. But like, I really like how Tyus Bowser came around last year. And I think when you let like Matt Judon walk, and you let Yannick Ngakwe walk in free agency, it reflects the fact that Tyus Bowser's became a lot better. Meanwhile, you go and sign Justin Houston in like mm-hmm. the middle of July free agency. And Justin Houston is top 10 in the league in sacks over the last two years. Yep. You know, he's been available and effective. And he was a, he was there for one year, four million. And that's like classic, you know, Eric, the cost, Ozzie Newsome, just good management, bringing those veterans to do that work. So edge, which I think was uh, the biggest problem in a lot of people's eyes for the Ravens. To me, uh, with the faith I have in Bowser and then my appreciation for Houston's kind of late career consistency to me, isn't too big of a problem. So then you go to the rest of this defense, you see the best corner room in the NFL, in my opinion, uh, a, a solid safety group in Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott. Linebacker, I think their combined improvement of Patrick Queen along year one, plus Malik Harrison, who who I think was impressive as well as a rookie, and ever-steady LJ Fort veteran, I think you're fine at linebacker. And this defense is going to be a top three, top four defense again. The, the additions at wide receiver and some of the returns at offensive line mean that if we get those problems shored up, then yeah, like the Ravens should be making a deep playoff run with their non, you know, with their playoff demons kind of excused. And so Kevin Zeiler, uh, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Ronnie Stanley back, offensive line should be better. I loved Rashad Bateman. I love Tylen Wallace in the draft. Like there's a lot of my guys here, um, but for me, this is legitimately a top five roster. All right. Well, I actually want to debate the Ravens, but I want to see the rest of your list before before we get there because there's okay. going to be a, a couple of, of of different things within yeah. there. Uh, my number four is the Cleveland Browns. Are they on your list? They are. Okay. 
Um, so I love this team and I love the way that Andrew Barry has problem solved over the past couple of years. I think that, so obviously they, they, their problem last year was a secondary. And part of that was Grant Delpit being out, um, for, for the season with the Achilles. And I think that they, the way that they went out and identified, obviously John Johnson, obviously getting Greg Newsom in the draft, getting Greg Grant Delpit back. Um, I think there'll be no problem there. Uh, you look up front, Miles Garrett, um, Jadevian Clowney is having a strange, a suspiciously good camp. And I'm, I'm worried I'm going to buy into Jadevian Clowney. I'm not there yet. I'm just war. I'm just, I'm inching towards. You're on notice. I'm, I'm on notice for maybe saying something I'm there. positive. You can about join Jadevian. me. I'll you're there? You okay. I'm inching I'm towards That's why maybe the smoke alarm was going off. Jadevian that. is a very useful player, despite his counting stats, which are not as good. But he's a great player to have when you're Let right. me ask you a question. For his money and all that, the way his his career turned out was good, great, good for him. Would we think of him, you and I and Nora? Would we think of him better if he was if he did not have the conversation, the hype he had coming out? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like he, if he was a third round right. pick, we'd be like, oh my right. god, Jadevian Clowney. He underwhelmed relative to expectations substantially. Yes. It's not just even like first overall pick expectation. It's this guy murdered a Michigan running back yeah. on live television. He's going to be the greatest player alive expectations. Is he a bust? I would argue no. Because like I say, it, to me, he's got great utility. And he's I don't a useful he's a player. Yeah, but uh, absolutely right. Yeah, if you took this guy at like 45, 50 overall, man, you're feeling great. Like We got it. Well done. He's going to get to a decade in the league and a decade in the league is not bust. Yeah, not, not even go. close. Not mm-hmm. even close. Uh, obviously, can't say enough about the offensive line. Uh, Jack Conklin, great pickup last year. Wyatt Teller, Jedrick Willis. I mean, like that. JC Trotter. Just the way they put together was really good. Uh, Odell Beckham is is talent, um, and I think that there are people in Cleveland who are really excited about him. And you know, again, the the quarterback question here and the quarterback waiting is what keep, makes this a tricky thing. I have the Packers third uh, because Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. But this is a solid damn roster, and what I like about it is, and this is a point I've made a bunch of times, but Listen, victory has many fathers, orphans to defeat, right? And when you're putting together this roster with so many different GMs, so many different stops and starts, a guy like Andrew Barry can go out and problem solve is is so important because he's going to be able to identify it. They're not going to have those holes. We the, we as the ringer overhyped that team a couple of years ago that had a terrible offensive line that all of these holes we overlooked because they had Odell and, and Baker and Miles Garrett and all that stuff. And the Browns now, the Browns under Andrew Barry are going to operate as a solid franchise forever with the talent that they got when they were essentially processed. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really, really important. If those guys can stay healthy and Andrew Barry can keep making the right moves to plug holes year after year, that is the basis for a legitimate Super Bowl contender eventually. Neither Ben nor I was on staff for Browns Week. Don't drag us into this. I, I'm, I said we is the ringer. Now, let me you be guys, very honest. Let me, let me tell you something, me tell you something right now. I would have participated uproariously in Browns yeah, Week if too. I was around. But Thank you, I ben. get to you know, act as if not. Our hands are clean. I would also say that when you joined the ringer, uh, all of our previous mistakes are pinned on you as well. We're all in this together. I don't know if you missed the part of orientation where we were told explicitly to hype up the Browns there, Nora, but that's that's a critical part of the job. That's what I was told last week. It's the first question you're asked is yeah. wh- d- where were you in during Browns week? Were you supporting it or not? Whose side were you on? <laughs> Whose side were you on? There is a line in the sand. I believed in Freddie Kitchens. I was there. 
I, Freddie oh, Kitchen's God. ability. I, I just want to. I, I don't want to spend too much time. Guys, on are this. we about to do a Freddie Kitchen segment? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to pull want the you fire guys alarm. I once asked Freddie Kitchen's kind of a question that was a little bit philosophical, and I cannot, I cannot overstate how much he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> just no idea. Didn't want to put any thought into it, and was just like, yeah, I don't know, man. And. Oh, uh, man. I can never tell if that was just him just not wanting to answer my question or he just legitimately didn't know what I was talking about. But uh, a little vote, I think. A little vote. What's that scene in uh, the West Wing where the guy, the other guy who's running for president know. is like, crime, boy, I don't know. Yeah, that's when I decided to beat you. Yeah. Are you guys, both, West, West, are you guys both West Wing people? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, usually I don't tell people that, but I, uh, yeah. Uh, my dad, when that show went on Netflix, my dad, who was like, at this point, like, what is Netflix? Was like, this is the greatest thing ever. We're watching the whole show. Yep. And so, yeah, yep. absolutely. Wow, so Ben, you do I relate to of, that content? Yeah. Ben, when did you watch West Wing? Like a couple years ago? No, probably in like, like probably when I was like in high school, probably like ninth, tenth grade. Okay. Yeah. Same. Okay. Also with my dad. Never, never, never seen an episode. Uh, Likewise, not my style. Well, to go back to that line, not my style. Yeah. Too busy never writing Browns Week content. De- Deadwood. Deadwood. Um. All right. Phenomenal. We like the Browns. Ben, where are the Browns for you? Browns are three. Uh, so I'm five Buffalo, four Baltimore, three Cleveland, two Green Bay, one yet unannounced. But I think okay, one is don't, pretty obvious. Don't do yeah. it. Don't do it. Is it the Texans? Yeah, buddy. Big uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis fan over here. Nora, number three. Also the Browns. So really solid roster. And I think we don't need to to um, keep going over. Runs through great offensive line. Great running game. Good scheme. Hope for a little something extra if Baker and Odell, like, you know, somehow find a way to make magic together. And it's lovely. What's really interesting to me is that if you look at last season, I think one of the biggest weaknesses for them was that the middle of the field was just squishy. You know, it was like a nice if you're an offense and you're playing the Browns, that's like a nice, friendly place to to lay your head or rack up some yards. And what I think is fascinating about how they sort of addressed that is that they weren't really working on their linebackers. What they did was add extensively to the secondary. And I think both like in particular, Troy Hill and John Johnson, like those are, I I really, really, really love those moves. They're going to have more defensive backs on the field more of the time next season. So they can have some of those linebackers who are screwing up. Those guys can come off the field. So it's just a really interesting example. I think of smart team building and being able to look at, okay, where were the weaknesses and what are the different ways of addressing them? Like there's not one set way to plug a hole. And I think the Browns building that way is really, really exciting. Hopefully I think there is still like you could squeeze a little more water out of the cloth on offense. Certainly if Baker picks up where he left off last season and, you know, maybe if they can get that connection with Odell Beckham, who's obviously very talented, working a little bit better, but really what I'm excited about here and why the Browns are, are three for me, um, above teams with better quarterbacks. Although part of that is just because I was not waiting for quarterback. It's because I'm more excited about their defense this season. Mm -hmm. The defense is bad last year, but I, again, they will be better and they will be good. The Browns will be a legitimately good team this year. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. 
A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Number two, Nora Pinciotti. The Kansas City Chiefs. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What muted uh, I was there today. I was there today. There was a lot of buzz. They were like, people were coming up to me and they were like, are we on Nora's list? Before we started recording, Kevin was, we're, you know, just, just catching up. And I wanted to express a lot of excitement over something Kevin said. But as mentioned, um, dealing with either a little bit of a head cold or I sang too many songs, no one's really sure. No, so I can't really raise my voice. I can't. You, podcast listeners, you are actually getting 100% from me right now. It cannot go up any further. So I just had to say totally deadpan. <laughs> wow, I'm really happy for you, Kevin. And it sounded really insincere, but it wasn't. And um, it was exactly like that woo that Kevin just gave. But I guess he won't hurt his vocal cords. So that's a pro right there. Anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs, my number two roster. Look, you know these players are good. I know these players are good. The offense is stupid. And they upgraded the offensive line significantly, which was the biggest Mm -hmm. question. On offense, I think really, like, we can skip to the end of the, the regular season here. Does Kansas City have like a middling to decent defense? Because if they do, then I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. If they have a bottom-ish defense, then it's a little bit yeesh. Yep. We've seen that movie before. We we have seen this movie before. Because it's just there is still that drop off in the front seven really after Chris Jones. And it's not like, look, I love the safeties. But the secondary as a whole, it's not like mind boggling. I think Legarius Sneed was like an incredible find mm-hmm. for them and a jump from him and a full season like that would make a huge difference. But what we're talking about here, right, is why is a roster that has Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill and a massively upgraded offensive line, not the number one roster on the list. And to me, it's just because it the defense is not as good as the defense of the number one team. and if they have some things break right there, then I'm not sure that'll matter, but I'm just not positive that all of those things will happen. It's the most top heavy roster in football because they have the best quarterback in football. And then they have Tyreek Hill and they have Travis Kelsey, who is on, who's one of the best offensive weapons in football. But part of that is because the top is like, like, it weighs a million bajillion pounds. Yeah, like that's part of that. Yeah. So they're, they're my number two as well. It there is a it is extremely top heavy and that that's fine because the top is amazing and the offensive line problem solved Orlando Brown Joe Tooney going out and getting Creed Humphrey Trey Smith who's a sixth rounder they like and I think that the defense there's obviously question marks I I don't really think that the Frank Clark trade was was worth it I don't know who who would think it was both right. from a, a salary and a and a pick perspective. So it's not like Brett Veach has been flawless, 
but he's been really good. And the best thing you can say about Brett Veach, and the reason he's in top five GM, he's one of the best minds in the league, is when he has to help Patrick Mahomes, he does. And everybody who saw that Super Bowl, everybody realized what they needed. And they've went out and they they fixed it very quickly and efficiently and to a point where I I I don't even think in my wildest ex- expectations if if you would show me this offensive line and you'd show me Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, a second round pick, uh, I would have been stunned. Kyle Long, by the way, who's on pop, and we'll see about him, but just going out and getting him. That aggressiveness is what you need, right. and it's an aggressive roster, and it's not going to be one through twenty two amazing. And it's going to get harder because they're going to be paying their quarterback a ton of money for the next 10 years, which is fine because he's worth it. And he's, you know, if you lose two or three players because of that, well, guess what? Patrick Mahomes is better than having two or three better players somewhere else along, along, along the front seven or whatever. Right. And so I'm, I'm okay with this roster. I like this roster. It's number two because of the super duper stars on the roster. It just doesn't have the depth. And it doesn't have the consistency of other of other rosters. Yeah, Chiefs are outside my top five. Yeah, I I, I realized that, and probably yeah, yeah. for yeah, a I more w- I've been like, yeah, I no, know. I, 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 do, every time I do my I list, Nora makes a it. face at me. Like, are you counting? <laughs> it's because I'm bad at math, and I was like, wait, something's wrong here. The team with Patrick yeah. Mahomes isn't on it. Patrick Mahomes is one fifty third of a roster. No, he's not. <laughs> I think the team. I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, but it's not because they have the best yeah. roster in the sport. Uh, ben Solak, take us through why they're not a top five, even though Nora and I have them top, uh, top two. Right. Yeah. So uh, the Chiefs are twenty second in defensive DVOA last year, mm-hmm. and Steve Spagnuolo is a good defensive coordinator. And Steve Spagnuolo is doing the things necessary to squeeze the blood out of the stone. But right now, the edge group is Frank Clark, who is like a name that you recognize, but has not played well in multiple seasons. Nope. Alex Okafor, Taco Charlton, and Mike Vanna. It's one of the worst groups in the league, and they didn't add anybody to it. Uh, the linebacker room right now is Anthony Hitchens, Willie Gay, and second-round pick Nick Bolton. They have Ben Neiman, who, who they liked and they got him playing a little bit last year. They have Daniel Sorensen, who's a box safety. But it was a bad unit last year. They lost Damian Wilson, and they added Nick Bolton. So, it, in general, it's a push. Uh, the corner room, which I agree, LeJarrius Steen played very, very well last season. He did so for a stretch, right? Eight games. You know, you, you always want to see it longer than that. He's a convert safety fourth round pick. So it wasn't necessarily the sort of guy that you expect to be sustained. But then beside behind that, it's Charvarius Ward and Rashad Fenn. It's the same guys last year. Uh, it's not a good defensive roster. They get away with it because they can mm-hmm. score points literally whenever they want. And a lot That's of that correct. has to do with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, who are three of the best players at their respective positions. And in the case of Patrick Mahomes is so far above everybody else at the most important position that it erases so many problems. But the critical fourth component of that offensive juggernaut is Andy Reid, who is not part of this roster, right? And, and to me, if, if I'm looking at ranking the best rosters, I want to be able to put any coach in charge of this team and produce. And I am not confident that I could take Joe Judge and get the same offensive production out of this team as I would with Andy Reid at the helm. Uh, and then in regards to the offensive line improvements, very much love Joe Tooney. I think Orlando Brown's a good ball player. I am very interested to see the the difference in scheme and how he's going to be used, how often he got to run action block in Baltimore, how often it's going to be straight drop back pass set with nobody on your shoulder, with no inline tight end. That is a massive difference for an offensive tackle. And so I like Orlando Brown. I'm not fully sold that that transition goes super smoothly week one. And then 
I also like, all right, like Kyle Long, like Warren Duvernay Tardif is back, sure. But if you are starting two rookies, Creed Humphrey and, and Trey Smith, I'm a little worried about your offensive line continuity. And, and we know offensive line is, is a position where you want five strong, not necessarily star players and then and then scrubs, because defenses can attack that weak point. And so to me, offensive line clearly is better. But like when I ranked that offensive line among some of the other top offensive lines, it didn't hold up to Green Bay's. It didn't hold up to Cleveland's. It didn't hold up to Tampa's. And it was right around the Baltimore area. And so to me, I, I didn't give them that much of a boost for it. I think Kansas City is absolutely the premier Super Bowl contender, AFC or NFC. But I also don't think they have a top five roster in the league. I see that argument. I absolutely do. I, I, I think that we're, me, I'll just speak for myself. I'm waiting the superstars because I think that there's, I think that the top heaviness and their superstars give them the ability to win any game. And I, I don't, I, I'm, I think that that matters. So yeah, that to me puts them number two for me. Uh, all right. Number one, not a surprise for anybody. Nora, you want to kick us off? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> it's a good team. Pretty solid, right? It's just ridiculous. Do you want to hear my logic? Uh, I mean, yes, I do. <laughs> So they won the Super Bowl and then it's the same team. Yeah, I'm with you so far. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. And then they brought everybody back. They brought yeah. everybody back. Everybody stayed. Same people that won the Super Bowl. Going to try to win the Super Bowl again. End wow. of podcast. No, <laughs> ben, take us through what you like about this roster. Uh, I like the fact that like they just signed Levante David for extremely reasonably like that's the thing is like Levante coming back and Gronk coming back and the Shaq Barrett deal like not only do they bring everybody back like the guys on the team worked contractually right and, and like they have never the Buccaneers they have never pushed money into future years like this but they did it to bring this whole team back uh, and so what you see now in terms of uh, you know obviously like we've talked about star talent we've talked about like you know the, the strong and weak parts of the rosters what you see on the Bucks roster in terms of depth is absolutely absurd like if you want to talk about issues that they had last year like oh jason pierre paul's old and he's taking like 85 percent of the snaps that's bad i would just draft joe tryon in the first round like that's great you go vita Vey got injured last year well we brought in rakeem nunez roches he played well for us and now he's just gonna be a backup for us steve mcclennan is just gonna be a backup for us they're gonna have mike edwards as their third safety and he's a tremendous not tremendous he's a solid like nickel player right the 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 depth that they have like many people have talked about how they were the healthiest team in the league last year. And that's not uncommon for deep playoff runs. If you're able to stay healthy, you're going to be able to make it into January and into February. But the depth that they have means that if they sustain more injury than they did last year, they're probably going to be able to deal with that except for like quarterback. You know what I mean? Uh, everywhere else they have such numbers that it, it is to me impossible to argue another, uh, another team over them as the top roster in the NFL. All right. So let's do our subcategories. We'll start with most improved Nora Princiati. Most improved for me. And so this, this, I'm interested to hear just sort of like how you guys thought about these categories. It's just really hard for me to say anybody, but the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, okay. so you've been on this for a while. What do you mean? You've been talking Jags for months. Nora's been pumping up the Jags. Let's go, yeah. baby. Well, I'm actually a one. I am a one woman Jags week. <laughs> Jags, the Jags and the Falcons are the weird corners. Nora. When no when when no one was thinking about the NFL in June, Nora was quietly doing the work, laying the groundwork for the Falcons and the Jaguars to have a southeastern revival. 
Okay, I don't really know what you're talking about in terms of the Jaguars, but I, I, I appreciate the call out that I love the Falcons with every fiber of my being. I don't really know why, but I do feel it in my soul. So I, I appreciate that you acknowledge that, Kevin. That means a lot to me, actually. It's important. Um, how many games are the Jaguars going to win this year? Oh, God. Like, I think they could win like eight. And a hush falls <laughs> over the happened? room. What just happened? I is your, is like your fire games. alarm going off over Nora's take? I think they could win like eight games. If Trevor Lawrence is the stabilizing force that he has been billed to be, I really don't think that that is an unreasonable expectation. Particularly because, look, like, there's some, there's some, Yep. There's some talent on this roster. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I really, what really, 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 really wanted happened? to skip out on that take. But there is some real talent on did this you roster. Did you just like, keep, keep repeating words until you, we were just going to take it away? Okay, here's the problem. you didn't want to finish the take? You backed yourself here's into the... a take corner? <laughs> All right. I just did the Jaguars schedule on my hands, and I got them to 7 and 10. And that felt honest. So 8 is not... Is not that crazy. Thank you. It's a bad division. Right, they get the Texans twice, the Titans twice. They get twice. the Texans twice. Yes, and they get the Colts. Actually, they don't get the Colts early, but they do get the Jets. They get the Bengals. Pretty bad, bad schedule. I can see it. Cardinal, the Cardinals are bad, but the the Cardinals will beat the Jaguars. My okay, I can't with, believe I yeah. can't believe we're doing I just Jaguars really, schedule okay, analysis. Okay, but come on, come on. <laughs> the receivers, okay. the receivers are interesting. They're interesting. I'm not saying they're they amazing. Are. I'm saying they're interesting. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel. I'm still, I am in the LaVisca hive and Love like LaVisca. just won't leave it. So I had LaVisca that's ranked prob- above every receiver in that class, save for CD Lamb. So I had him above both the Alabama. Teams. Shout out. Shout out. Ben. You get it. Come on, dumb. come on over to Jaguars hype land. The water is nice. Here's my thing with most improved th- for the Jaguars being the most improved roster. They spent big money on Shaq Griffin. They spent big money on Rashawn Jenkins. They drafted Tyson Campbell early. And I think that their secondary is about the same as it was. Right? Like, I like those. I like the fact that they went for it. I don't really love the players they brought in. And I'm also, like, they've got the, 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 they're shopping CJ Henderson. Mm-hmm. That pick seems like it, it, it's been difficult for the team to handle. And obviously, it's a, yeah. new, uh, a new regime as well. Meanwhile, like no additions to the defensive line whatsoever, despite the fact that Caleb on Jason didn't have the strongest rookie season. Like that defense was debilitatingly poor last year. And they were kind of like, well, what if Shaq Griffin? It's like, man, I'm not sure that that that's that's going to get the job done. Okay, but remember when they drafted the quarterback that's like the greatest prospect since Andrew Luck? Shouldn't that count for something? It does. It certainly does. I mean, like, the only person they added to that wide receiver room is Marvin Jones. So how much weight are you putting into Marvin Jones right now? Just just <laughs> maybe a little too much. I do like Marvin Jones. He's a fun player. But a nice amount. It's This is funny, because I would have guessed that you had the same team that I did. Which I had the is? I had the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, they should go on a must-improved list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, for me, I was like, oh, man, Nora's going to snipe this one. Can I ask you a philosophical question? I'll do my best not to Freddie Kitchens it. Okay. They're most improved. And I, I agree they're most improved. Okay. But isn't that a separate? And this is going to be crazy. Isn't that a separate question for whether or not the moves were good? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. All right. Would I, would I have given, uh, you know, Jalen Mills four-year contract? Yeah. Nelson Aguilar. It's like kind of like a two-year deal, but whatever. Right. Would I have given both Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith 
uh, you know, 12.5 or whatever it was, million dollar uh, per year deals? No. With that said, they are better than the players you had previously, which right. is an improvement to your team. Uh, the the loss of Joe Tooney stinks. Uh, Marcus Cannon gets traded to Houston. With that said, even with the departure of Dante Scarnecchia, it seems they have retained the ability to just like chuck offensive linemen into the starting lineup and have them be amazing. I watched Michael and Wenu at the Shrine game that year, and I was like, this guy could be something in a couple years. And Bill Belichick was like, what about in week one at a position he's what never about played? right away? Yeah, how does that sound What about you? now? Yeah, and they had to put Justin Heron in at tackle. And like, Justin Heron's film at Wake Forest, and one pretty. It was all right with the New England Patriots in the NFL for some reason. Uh, so they can get away with it on the offensive line. I am concerned with uh, uh, the departure of Patrick Chung. Uh, he's now gone. Uh, the I can't remember which McCourty brother is gone now. Uh, Jason, I think. Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you only add Jalen Mills, who Mills is a is a tough player to watch at times. So I, I think that you know I'm a little bit concerned in the secondary, but overall the improvements along offense were tremendous, and I think they did a good job plugging the gaps that they were going to get on the offensive line with the inevitable departures they had coming down the mountain. Dunza Hightower is back from the COVID-19 list. Impossible mm -hmm. to overstate his value to that defense. And, you know, freaking, hey, Kyle Van Noy, you want to just come back and be good here and not be good anywhere else? Let's do it. So, yeah, to me, Patriots most improved team. I like the Patriots have to yearly have one guy who got paid somewhere else yep. and then just came back. They're going to make Patriots Hall of Fame. It's great. It's a nice little role that they're going to have. It's a gloating okay. tradition from Belichick. Just it's to be just, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a little victory lap. Mm -hmm. Yep. And please, it, Jamie Collins incoming is all I can say about that. Mm -hmm. um, I like Jamie Collins. He's, and I like Detroit, by the way. Um, all right. So, but I'm just saying, one day he'll come back to the Patriots and make, make Patriots Hall of Fame. He already did that, though. I know. He's going to come back again. Round two. Yeah. Yeah. And the Trey second Fowles. lap. Trey Flowers and Jamie Collins are going to keep coming back. Guess it's going to be great. Back, Isn't Patricia back, on back. that staff, though? Yeah. He's on the yeah. He does Patriots personnel staff. now. Yeah. yeah. He's a contract <laughs> guy. Oh, no. Um. All right. So, <laughs> oh, no is right, Ben. Uh, I agree with you. I also would put the Jets in this category. I would also say that with the Patriots, I, I, they didn't have to do much to, to literally improve just because of COVID. The COVID right. opt-outs. They had so many last right. year. So it's, right. it's almost now, a different I mean, category. Like, the three big ones They were also high. spent yeah. a bajillion dollars. I just think yeah. the tiebreaker right. is, look, the their top pick in the draft may or may not play a full season or at all. And I think you get dinged for that being on the most improved list. But they would, you know, they're mm -hmm. absolutely in that conversation. All right. Least improved. <laughs> There's a lot of this going around. Nora? Um, a lot of teams not improving. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I also like how it's least improved, not like got demonstrably worse. But it's actually like the most improved teams tend to be worse than the least improved because it's a, it's well, a function of right. where you had to come from. Yeah. I was going to say the Bucks, the Bucks are least improved because they didn't, <laughs> they, did they didn't nothing, do anything new. Nothing got better. They just brought back the team that won the Super Bowl. Talk about a failure <laughs> of imagination. Bucks are the most stagnant. Is Jason Light on the hot? Is he on the hot seat, baby? He's not doing anything. Jason Light just choking away. Just not <laughs> one, not one good idea from Jason Light this Nothing. year. He just brought it back, ran it back. All right, All you right. got anybody? Norm? So, so my least improved is the New Orleans Saints, um, who didn't have yeah. a lot of money to improve their team with, and actually somehow managed to find some within the couch cushions. But look, they lose Drew Brees, they lose Trey Hendrickson. 
Norris Jenkins, Sheldon Rankins, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. Um, they got Corn Alexander back, but um, Alex Anzalone, Malcolm Brown, like that defense in particular just took a hit. Mm-hmm. And then Drew Brees last year was not playing like the Drew Brees of his prime. But still, I think when you lose your starting quarterback, that's obviously a big deal. It, it sounds as though if we want to do a silver lining, it sounds as though Peyton Turner's having a very good camp. And that's a big deal because as discussed, this defense took a lot of hits this off season, but they just, they couldn't really add. And I don't know how you factor in, um, Jameis Taysom situation into, uh, Breeze's departure. But I think the combination of a lot of key players plus the quarterback just kind of seemed like an obvious one to me. I am in that bucket. Um, I also think the Saints got, got worse this year. And I also just, I, I know this is just kind of a normie point. We've been talking about it for months, but I'm, I'm not going to talk myself into that quarterback competition. I'm not, I'm just not going to start saying things I like about it. It's a bad, you're going to focus on, focus on clowny. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be bullied into saying this is a good quarterback competition. It's just not. It's good for content. It's uh, yeah, it's great for content, but I, it's not good for football. I think that's your trap door on any clowny take is just I'm doing this instead of talking about the Saints quarterback room. I just kind of feel like everybody I I, I don't know. I, I think weird is not a replacement for for Drew Brees for good for Drew Brees. I don't think Drew Brees. I mean, Danny Kelly made the best point possible a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. We basically saying were the Saints that good because of Drew Brees last year? No, not really. No. Drew Brees had his struggles. The problem was is that they've lost, as you, as you said, they've lost a parade of of other talented players, and and that that to me is is just a bigger problem. Ben, who uh, who got demonstrably worse? Yeah, to me, right? Saints are my demonstrably worse assist yeah. team. Yeah, uh, and right that Drew Brees point, right? Like, was Drew Brees doing the things he was always doing? No, but Brees always had that ability to not make mistakes, right? He always was that risk-averse player would keep you out of bad situations. And then you could sneak out of it with Alvin Kamara and with Michael Thomas and whatever. Uh, the current quarterback competition is not uh, lend itself to mistake-free play. And I think that that's going to Keep you out of bad Oh, and by the way, Michael Thomas is openly feuding yes. with the organization. Right. Also, like, yeah, I don't know how much Who we, plays right. receiver? Throw that in the least improved bucket. Is yeah. the, the the best player on the team hates everybody he works with. It's also like Michael Thomas is either going to have a like 60% target share or just hate everyone yeah. or both. Well, he's been doing both those things for three years and now he's stopping the target share part of it. When he when when the Saints were like, you guys should see Marquez Callaway in camp right now. It's like, yeah, we're going to see him this year. Week one, he better be good. There's hey. nobody else in front of him in the depth chart. Michael Thomas ignored a trainer's call for three months. Things are going well, is what I'll say down there. Um, yeah. All right, let's our last category: potential. Give us the the roster we're just not talking enough about. Things can break right. Nora gave us the Jaguars on a different list, so she can't do this now unless she wants to double up. We'll start with you, Nora. Well, so I guess I I guess I looked at I have sort of a yin and yang thing going on because okay. the. Teams that I have for most potential, what came to mind for me, I put the Broncos and the Washington football team because I was just thinking about yeah. the kind of the quarterback away teams. Yes, I, I, I thought about that as well. Okay. Because, I mean, particularly, like, let's talk about Washington because it's it's heavily skewed towards defense. Um, although, you know, Terry McLaurin, they have 
guys on offense that are young and are good, but this defense is so good and it is so young. So obviously I'm saying the word young a lot and I'm going to say it more because now I'm going to mention that Chase Young, 22 years old, four years left on the rookie contract if you count the fifth year option. Then you get into guys like Montez Sweat. I love Cam Curl. Um, Payne, Davis, like this is just a really, really, really promising roster. I think we're going to start to see it with Fitzpatrick this year. It's just that I don't really count that for most potential because while I I guess Ryan Fitzpatrick would probably take issue with this, I don't see that as their long-term solution, but that's a roster that I think is, is sneakily really solid in a lot of areas. It's just that right now they don't have the long-term quarterback answer. It would be really interesting if they ever found it is all I will say. That's correct. Broncos is basically like same thing. Um, it's more driven by the players on the offensive side of the ball than the defense. Uh, I almost took them out of this because I'm mad at them because they didn't draft a quarterback and just seem to be complacent with their current quarterback room, which is a little bit scary to me. Um, that said, I, I think in a uh, objective sense, they merit inclusion. So I agree with you on both those things. I would also say a different version of this, and maybe their most improved more than potential is the Chargers where, and I saw some, some folks had the Chargers in like a top five roster situation. I don't think that, but I do think that they have the capability, especially with the the improved offensive line to be following in the kind of the Bills footsteps where they're going to keep Herbert upright. And they already have, if they stay healthy, uh, if they they remove the curse that they've had for 50, 50 years on the franchise, like that that to me is is the kind of team that has the path to be a, a Final Four team. I agree with you about the Broncos. If something shook out with the quarterback position that we're not expecting, like that that's important. Uh, ben, potential teams. Yeah. So it, it, in a similar vein, I'm on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, yeah. My thought about them. Yeah. My big thing with Miami, which is uh, really fun, is if you look at the projected starting lineup, offense and defense the only players on it that were acquired by the Dolphins before 2019 are Devontae Barker, mm-hmm. Durham Smythe, kind of, don't really know who's winning the tight end battle, uh, Jerome Baker and Zayvon Howard. It is an extremely new group, a very young group, obviously, but also with some of the free agent additions that have recently come in. Justin Coleman's going to play an important job uh, at that nickel. They'd made the trade for Bernard Drake McKinney. Um, you know, it's second year of Emmanuel Ogba to get a very nice season his first year. There are so many new pieces that are still coalescing. Uh, I'm not going to get caught up in training camp hype, but it sounds like Tua's coming along nicely, which is what you want to see, right? It's not it's not just hype, but it is like, you know, the, the box that you want to check for your second year and your first time taking all those first team reps. Made so many recent additions to the wide receiver room that even if he's not amazing, even if he's just a win-with player, uh, those folks should be able to maximize him in that passing game, give him some short targets, let them run after the catch. And so uh, as a proud owner of Miami over win total shares and also Miami win AFC East shares, I think, uh, yeah, this this roster's got uh, buku potential and I'd love to see them hit on it. You think you better, you know, what is this like the end of in- Indiana Jones? We just have a warehouse full of futures bets. You can't even keep track of them. There's, I mean, they're fine warehouse. <laughs> I've got more than a few uh, and sometimes it can be tough to keep them uh, in line. Uh, I agree. The Dolphins are are there. I do think that there's. I feel like any positive Tua stuff is training camp hype at this point. Yeah, I'm but not, I'm I want to believe that. it. So I'm just gonna just gonna do that. You're just gonna. <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna get caught up in training camp hype. Is what? 
It's the thing you say before you get caught up in training camp. Yeah, I was going to say, you literally, you were like, yeah, I'm not going to get caught up. But with reading, that said, here's I'm some reading tweets. Reading I can't. Some hype tweets fresh from out Miami the Herald beat writers. There are, there are two teams right now that I cannot stop consuming training camp uh, hype from, and it's Miami and the Chargers. I want I both those teams to be good. I can't quit you. Yep. It, it, it hurts, and I know it's bad for me, but doggone, if I don't keep coming back to the well, oh, I want them to be good. I saw speak I training camp hype the Chargers the other day said that they're at a like a all time high for season tickets. When, when That's the Chargers camp hype. when the Chargers drop those videos and it's Brandon Staley going like, "Yo, what's up, thirty three? And I'm like, "This is why he's a good coach, baby, dude." This no, is everybody, I, I've one. noticed that. There's this thing now. There's this thing now where it's like, he'll like Brandon Staley will just be like, "It's great. It's a great day for football," and people will quote tweet and be like, yeah. "Do you know how hard it is to connect with players like this?" <laughs> it's so funny. And like, like Shane Day is their quarterbacks coach. I have yeah. not been the biggest fan of Shane Day's work across the course of his career. I watch him but in those now, videos. I watch him in those videos. I'm like, yo, Shane Day's got Justin Herbert where he needs to be. This I guy's absolutely a genius. Get in. Gets Whoever, it. Whoever's the Chargers social and video team, shout out to you guys because you have me ready to make irresponsible predictions for the Chargers. Well done. I think it's Brandon Staley. He's just tweeting <laughs> himself. It's the Give me that man. phone. Give me that phone. All right. Uh, guys. Just gets the millennials. We've uh, we've we've gone through the rosters. Feel good about it, Nora? How's your voice? Um, I think it's fine. We just got a little animated, which was probably a bad idea for me. But you know, I I like to give. Can I ask one training camp question to Nora real quick? Have at it. Yeah. Uh, as the Zach Wilson proponent on this podcast. Oh boy, how are we feeling about the training camp reports to this point? <laughs> They're not my good. Voice. <laughs> my voice picks. fading. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I need to go drink some tea. Really sorry. <laughs> really sorry. This has been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely with additional production assistance by Arjuna Ramkapal. We'll be back later this week. I will not be in Wentzville, Missouri at that point. Lord knows where I'll be, but this has uh, been fun. See you later this week. <laughs>